I don't know if I've told you this story, but like the only experience I have with high fashion at all. I want to know the story so bad. Please tell me. Okay. So a couple of years ago, I was hanging out with my friend, uh, Joel, and he had a friend Mm -hmm. named Alex. And this dude Mm -hmm. was like in to high fashion. And I knew absolutely nothing none of it but he was like super into it and so mm-hmm. we were going downtown for some reason uh downtown chicago i should say and he really wanted to visit the ralph lauren store downtown and i was uh-huh. like okay sure sure and you could you should google ralph lauren store chicago because i walked into it and it looks unbelievable it was like yeah it's really cool inside isn't it it really was one of the most coolest, incredible looking stores I've ever seen in my entire life. And then mm-hmm. we started looking around and I was like, you know what? I kind of get this now. Like, I get why people would love this. <laughs> and then I go. To I, this... I am getting into fashion right now because of this cool store. Yeah. And then I went up to a coat and I was like, this is a cool coat. And I looked at how much it cost. Amanda, would you like to take a guess at how much? And I'll describe it to you as like um like a very... Uh, like thin uh, leather bomber type of jacket. Can you take a guess on how much that would cost at the Ralph Lauren store? It's got to be like um, 500 bucks. <laughs> Not even close. $1,500, <laughs> Amanda. $1,500. Oh <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess, we, I guess way too small. I am looking up this store. It looks really cool. Did you try not to touch anything? I wouldn't have wanted to touch anything. I didn't touch anything after touching that jacket. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted For Your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda, and I read too many books. We are brother and sister, and this is our podcast for nerds, where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on and tell you which one is worth consuming. Yep, and today we will be talking about The Devil Wears Prada, including the 2003 novel by Lauren Weisberger and the 2006 movie directed by David Frankel. Miranda Priestley is the editor-in-chief of Runway. So you don't read Runway? No. Not to mention a legend. And before today, you'd never heard of me. No. You work a year for her, and you can get a job at any magazine you want. You have no style or sense of fashion. I, I... No, no. That wasn't a question. You are unfamiliar? Don't worry. We'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode. And if you are familiar or don't really care about spoilers on this particular book-to-movie combo, stick around. So real quick, we're going to give you a brief summary on the story, just in case you don't know yet. Uh, So this book and movie center on Andrea Sachs uh, in the movie played by Anne Hathaway, a recent graduate and aspiring writer who lands uh, the job that a million girls would die for as the assistant for Miranda Priestly, who is played by uh, Meryl Streep, the incredible Meryl Streep. Uh Uh, She is the editor in chief of the fashion magazine Runway. Even though Andrea sees the fashion industry as shallow and Miranda is an excessively demanding boss, Andy just has to stick it out for one year to get the job she really wants as a reporter or writer somewhere else. If she finishes her year, she can get a recommendation anywhere she wants to work. That's a promise. 
So as Andy becomes more dedicated to sticking out, sticking out her job, her personal life with her friends and family and her boyfriend start to suffer, and she must choose how far she's willing to go and what she's willing to do to uh, what she's willing to give up to earn the favor of the ultimate boss from hell. Bum bum bum. Mm-hmm. Or the devil wears Prada, as some would say. <laughs> or the devil who's actually wearing Prada. Uh, so, David, what was your first experience with this story? Have you ever heard of the book? Have you seen the movie? Uh, I mean, I feel like everyone has at least kind of heard of this because, I mean, it's one of Merrill's just iconic performances. And I've never yeah. watched the full movie. This is like definitely a TNT like summer or f- like spring afternoon on a Sunday type of movie. Uh, so I feel like I've always seen like glimpses of this movie, but I've never actually taken the time to really sit down and take in the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was not aware of the book or that this was based on a book. Um, and I think I saw it when it came out, but not necessarily in theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I feel like a rare Anne Hathaway fan from like her very beginning. I liked her since she was uh, in Princess Diaries, but I think I know that a lot of people don't feel that way. I was a big fan of hers. I was excited to see her in a not teen movie. Um, and I really loved this movie when it came out. And so it's kind of it's kind of fun that it's become a bit of a, I think cult classic is kind of pushing it too much, but like a really beloved movie, like it's pretty well respected. Uh, and it's fun to do it on this podcast and make you watch it. Uh, cause I did not know it was based on a book. Yeah, it's, I would consider it to be one of those classics, especially during like the time it came out, these like mid two thousands felt like the time mm-hmm. of the romantic comedy, And I think this oftentimes would get like bunched in with some of those movies that came out. But I would say it definitely is on some like new level in terms of how it's regarded. It's definitely seen in a much higher light than some of those uh, romantic comedies of the time. Yeah. And I think a lot of movies try to do what this movie did, where it's like the inside. It's like a peek behind the curtain of like an industry. Mm hmm. And uh, I don't think they do it as well. I think the cast and writing has a big um, has a big p- part to play in how well this movie did. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so you want to hear some fun book facts, David? Yes. I heard a lot about these book facts doing mine. So, yeah, yeah. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. <laughs> so there's only a couple. So this is uh, Weisenberg's first book. Um, And it is based on her experience as a former assistant to the editor-in-chief of Vogue, Anna Wintour. It's super highly rumored that Miranda Priestly is based on Anna Wintour. And uh, it caused like a lot of drama when this movie was coming out to the point where like a bunch of people in fashion, like like no publication like talked about it, like the Mm -hmm. book in particular – a bunch of people wouldn't participate in the movie and do cameos. Like Valentino's the only one who came and did a cameo in it. Um, and Anna Winter wasn't invited to the premiere of the movie, but she attended an advanced screening for the press and dressed head to toe in Prada. So she definitely had some like tongue in cheek fun with it. Oh, yeah. And she said she really likes Miranda Priestly in the movie, which I think is very funny. <laughs> 
Um, and her her nickname in the industry is Nuclear Wintour, which is oh a fantastic gosh. nickname. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, it makes me secretly kind of like her a lot, and I know nothing about her. I love the concept of how this book was written because <laughs> isn't that funny? The whole idea of it is that this loosely is based off a true story of people who actually worked for a woman. And I love the yeah. idea of someone getting revenge on that person by turning it into a book and an adaptation. Like that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. And I think we'll get into like the differences between, we will get into the differences between the movie and the book, but the book is definitely like, like, F you to bad bosses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of mentality. Whereas the movie definitely takes it in a different direction. But yeah, it's hilarious that this this was definitely like um, some employee revenge happening for somebody who has a big name. I love it. And you could tell yeah. how relatable it was because the screenplay rights were sold before this book was finished. So yes, they started writing the screenplay before the book was even done. That's how you know for for a first book for a new author. I mean, that's that's when you just yeah. know you got something special there. Yeah, it did super crazy well when it came out, um, and it it still holds like a pretty good reputation. They are officially making it into a Broadway show. I love that. And Elton John has signed on to do the music. Wow. Uh, it is not particularly surprising that it's turning into a Broadway show. In fact, I would say it's more surprising that during my research, considering most things we've done have also been adapted to Broadway shows. <laughs> Very true. They do like to put a lot of things on Broadway. So it's kind of weird that this one has not been adapted to a Broadway show. Yeah, I think they started working on it in 2017 and things have been paused for a bit because of everything who would have thought so i'm i'm honestly really hoping it comes to broadway and that we can someday see it, it i would definitely like see this broadway show it's definitely made for broadway i could totally see this yeah. working well on that platform absolutely yeah uh so ready for some mayoral facts uh because movie <laughs> facts are just all mayoral today <laughs> to be honest that makes me so happy and i okay want more. good uh so the part uh, with, of Miranda for the screenplay was written for Meryl, and they only wanted Which is awesome. Meryl. Uh, I love that. So much so that when they approached Meryl, Meryl wanted to do the project, but she said, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to pay me more. And they doubled her original <laughs> salary in order to get her on. What an incredible move. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, and it was worth every penny because she had a Absolutely. huge influence on the character. Of course, you can see that. But also in a lot of the scenes that were chosen for the character. So there's a very famous uh, Cerulean sweater speech that happens. Um, mm -hmm. And you'll know it if you see it. It's a huge uh, part for the character in the movie. It was partly written by Meryl. And she had demanded mm -hmm. it be in the film because she thought it was such an important scene, along with a particularly vulnerable scene that shows up at the end of the movie. Uh, yeah. So Meryl had a huge influence in creating the depth of uh, the Miranda character for the movie. Yeah, she changed some of the lines, too, which I think is really fascinating. Oh, yeah. She really embodied this person. In fact, yeah. the first day on set, she told Anne Hathaway she thought she was perfect for the role and then said, that will be the last nice thing I will say to you this entire production. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Meryl 
uh, has also admitted that a lot of the influence uh, from her character came from men that she had known. Uh, mm-hmm. She hasn't said all of the influences, but one of them that you definitely notice right away once you understand the reference uh she stole the soft speaking style of clint eastwood for the character um which i think gives her a particular type of cynicism or not cynicism um uh sinisterism that's what Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. sinisterism and uh power to the character that is definitely absent from the book yeah uh, yeah, because in the book, she's much more um, over the top and yells a lot. And Meryl was the one who chose not to do that, to be like her like super quiet and calm and controlled self. And it's spooky. It's so good. She made her own character, whereas like the book definitely fell closer into the direct influence of the woman it's yeah. originally based on. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> But it sounds like we're kind of jumping into it already. So let's let's get into our actual discussion. Uh, Amanda, yeah. what do you think about the story of The Devil Wears Prada? Yeah, I think it's – the even though they follow some of the same plot points, the movie and the book are kind of two very different stories. Um, you know, the book is very much about this kind of like a battle of wills. Um between this girl and her boss and who's going to win out in the end. And she kind of gets her like triumphant moment at the end and her boss is humiliated. And that's not at all kind of the pacing that the, that the movie decides to go in. The movie is very much more about like ambition and what it means to be investing your career and the things that you give up for it. And it was a lot more to do with like, being a professional woman than it was anything Mm -hmm. else. And I think that's super interesting. Um, So it's, I mean, it's a really fun story to be a part of either way. Um, It's kind of fun to like peek in on this essentially like escapist fantasy Mm -hmm. (laughs) about having a, like dealing with a terrible boss and getting to win in the end Um, as opposed, and so that's fun to read. Um, but the movie is just, I've watched this movie so many times and I enjoy it every single time. Um, I think it, it's, it's a really rich story with a, a really interesting characters to it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think the, the book and the movie are two very different beasts and especially when definitely. it comes down to the choices of the characters. I think the characters are similar, but especially the movie makes a lot more subtler changes that I, I enjoyed a lot more. Uh, I do have problems with each of them. A lot of them have to do with some of the background characters. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But overall, especially the movie, the movie uh, was a big plus for me. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I will say because by this point of the podcast, they've, the audience has heard a clip from the trailer for this movie. The trailer is awful. One of, (laughs) is it? (laughs) One of the most mid 2000s, terrible trailers i think it does an awful (laughs) job at displaying this movie it's so cringy that i watched the trailer before the movie and i was like is Meryl streep good like is she actually good (laughs) i do remember the trailer i don't remember it perfectly but i do remember it feeling very like hillary duff-esque yeah where like 
Anne Hathaway is like tripping and dropping and going like, oh, a lot. Um, but I don't remember much else from it. it but seems, I do remember being surprised that the movie was better than the trailer made it look. Yeah, it definitely has actually strong like princess diary feels to it, mm, which is yeah, hilarious. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> just, you know, maybe check it out. Uh, but the movie outperformed the trailer. That's for sure. That's good. <laughs> so did you did you like the book at all? <laughs> the book is tough. It is, mm-hmm. it often feels like you're reading a long list of to-do lists that someone's going yeah. through. I yeah. found it a little bit meandering uh, often in terms of just like where the plot was going. It didn't really feel like it had yeah. a big push to it. And so I was really bored at it at times and I picked this up and down a ton. It's... Yeah. I think one big flaw of this book is it's a book about fashion and this is it's a book and as someone who doesn't understand (laughs) fashion I couldn't imagine a single thing this person was talking about Mm. so thankfully the authors did me a favor and separated whatever she was describing anything into its own paragraph so there were times where I just skipped full pages (laughs) of text and I wasn't <laughs> lost at all what was happening in the scene. It does feel a lot like like a friend who's telling you a story as opposed yeah. to, and not in like a gimmicky author way, in just like somebody you know being like, and then can you believe this? And then can you believe this mm-hmm. happened? And then can you believe she said this to me? Um, so I totally get that. It definitely does feel like kind of a list of things. And then it just ends. <laughs> I, yeah, and there are like good parts of this book that I did enjoy. I just feel like you yeah. could cut like a fourth of this book out and it would still have the same impact for me because yeah. the good scenes were actually uh, quite effective in terms of like sometimes she would be doing a task and you got to see her try to problem solve that task mm-hmm. with yeah. Emily and it was it was highly entertaining seeing these people try to make sense of a psychopath. And it yes, was that part I did effective. really like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say like, I typically when we do books for this and record, I will read the book like the week of, so I would have just finished the book before recording. And we ended up shuffling some of our episodes around. So I actually read this weeks ago and I was very scared. I would, forget everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's a little bit of a forgettable book there's like some parts that hit pretty hard and then the rest of it kind of disappears is there anything like particularly memorable or something you want to mention about it or is it just kind of about the book in in particular yeah um i'll i mean i'll agree with you i i liked her complicated relationship with emily the best in the book um because they were such different people and they weren't like friends but they were bonded together in the way that you are sometimes with people at work where you don't have much in common but you have like a common enemy and a common goal together that brings you together so i enjoyed that i thought that was a pretty um great relationship um but other than that like i the other relationships in her book were meh for me (laughs) yeah a little boring i will say andrea in the book supremely unlikable (laughs) 
<laughs> super unlikable. There's so many times where she's complaining about things and I'm just like, no, that's kind that's also kind of your job. You shouldn't be smoking in your boss's car. That's pretty bad. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And very early on, she meets people with like a southern drawl and then goes out of her way to talk about how unbearable it is to talk to someone with a southern accent. Yeah. And I was like, you suck. Like, shut Like, she's yeah, so she's mean. Very, she, yeah, she's very much like a kid out of college who has never like experienced anything before and that's fine if her character becomes like somebody different throughout the book but she kind of doesn't she kind of like those parts of her she defends in the book so it's not she's not a great character she's not my favorite not at all not at all uh, do you think it was better in the movie do you think Andrea was a more sympathetic character in the movie well I think that's why the movie definitely elevates its source text from the performances it gets because I think Anne Hathaway does a fantastic job. I mean, she's essentially playing a high fashion princess bride in this movie, uh, who is also a professional woman. And I think she does, I mean, her princess diaries, princess diaries, princess bride diaries. She becomes a princess. (laughs) All right. Um, yes, she has a makeover scene. She does as, as you have to have in this type of movie. Uh, but I think yeah. all the performances just elevated every single character. Uh, not only yeah. that, they cut so many characters, which I think was a good idea uh, because yeah, definitely the subplots had no right being there in the first place. So they really trimmed it down to just be a focus yeah. on uh, Andrea's uh, experience dealing with her boss, which I think was yeah. what the book should have primarily focused on anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a lot more about um, like Andy's own ambition mm-hmm. and how far she's willing to like what she's willing to give up in her life in order to do that. And Miranda gets to be this great mirror to her as somebody she hates at first and then comes to understand and defend at some point. Um, and that's much more interesting than just they hate each other. Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, yeah. So – the characters were way more complicated. Um, and then, of course, Stanley Meryl. Tucci's in it. Oh, my gosh. Stanley, the Tucci, man. <laughs> just the, the best. Halfway through watching this, I almost text you and I'm like, let's just do a podcast just about Stanley Tucci. <laughs> I could easily just have a new podcast where we only talk about Stanley Tucci in movies because no matter what he's in, he's good and steals the scene. So good. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that every single character in this movie is pretty memorable. And of course it's all brought together. Thanks to Meryl. Like Meryl steals this entire movie. I will say the only person I hated was her boyfriend. I, (laughs) I do not like Adrian Grenier. Is that how you say his name? I think so. Yeah. This was like during that time. When did this movie come out? Early 2000s, right? Mid, yeah. 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 This was during the time when they were trying, like Hollywood was convinced that this guy was like the next it guy. He was in everything (laughs) and like all the rom-coms and I hated him in everything. Yeah. He doesn't have any range, I would say, in this movie. Um (laughs) And he's pretty much a jerk right from the get-go. I'm going to go in yeah. into our spoiler section. Uh, I have a lot of things I want to talk uh, specifically about the boyfriends in both of these stories. 
uh, yes. because they're pretty much useless and I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% agree with that. They are the worst part of both stories. Yeah, so I, I kind of wish she didn't have a boyfriend um, or any other man she was dealing with. I mean, I think the Christian character served a purpose at the very least. Um, even though yeah. I hated him, I was supposed to hate him, but yeah, like, yeah. her boyfriends in both stories, I just could not stand. I couldn't stand. Yeah. But we'll talk about more of that. We'll talk more about boyfriends in the spoiler section. <laughs> so David, would you recommend people read this book? I have a suspicion of what you're going to say. Uh, this is tough. I really don't think so. Um, I think if you're really into fashion you could make a case for it and i again i really respect this story because someone wrote it out of revenge for their boss and a part of me <laughs> loves that well, how couldn't you love that but i think in terms of like getting the best version of this story i'd say skip the book just check the movie out yeah i would say you know, if this is for like a very particular mood, it's kind of like when you go into Reddit and you just want to read the like, am I an asshole thread in Reddit? Yeah. Just to like read about people who are jerks. Um, so if that's the kind of thing that you, uh, if you're in the mood for or just need something like super light and fun and you already love the Devil's Wears Prada, I feel like you would really enjoy this book. I did not super enjoy it. I thought it was kind of boring. Um, just because, like you said, it was just like kind of rambling and like one thing after the, another and it wasn't really building too much. And I didn't really feel like I was on Andrea's side for most of the book. So mm -hmm. I would – I probably won't read it again and I won't really like tell other people to read it necessarily. But that movie though – but that movie, though, you can watch that all day. I almost bought it. It's so good. It is really good. And it's definitely something to revisit yeah. because um, I think if you are someone who's gotten out of your early 20s, I think there's mm -hmm. portions of this story that just kind of ring a little true to you for some of the people you've worked yeah. for. I know it did for me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just check it out. I think it super holds up in 2020. I think so, too. I'd be shocked if there was a large part of our audience who hasn't experienced it yet. But if you're in that weird, um, weird little corner, definitely go check it out. Definitely check it out. All right, let's head into uh, some spoiler section where we can rant about boyfriends for a little bit. You got a job at a fashion magazine? What was it, a phone interview? Who is that? Are we doing a before and after piece I don't know about? <laughs> so, David, what did you think about the adaptation? How do you think they did moving from book to movie on this guy? So I think the strongest thing, again, is that they just cut a ton. So yeah. uh, there's some subplots with the family cut, some subplots with the uh, her friend, uh, which was cut. Um, there's just a lot mm -hmm. of things that were streamlined. And not yeah. to mention that this is a story about fashion. So just yeah. as the medium works, visually it's going to work better. Um, yeah. So I just enjoyed it a lot more because of that. I think this type of story, I think, was made for film. I don't think it's made for so. for yeah. a written format. Yeah, there's a lot to, like, bring, being able to visualize a lot of the fashion is definitely a big step forward. But I think even on top of that, um, it feels like the script was written by somebody who 
actually loves fashion. Oh, and yeah. And the book is written by somebody who hates it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so those are two very different experiences. Like there are definitely some moments in the movie that joke about the fashion industry and poke fun at it um, and are critical of it. But at the same time, there's some very like unironic speeches in particular from Stanley Tucci's character um, who talks about the importance of uh, fashion and the artistic side of it and the um, the ability for for that kind of art to impact daily life because it's something that we wear and live in. And I think that's really that, that kind of passion for what we're seeing on screen really helps you eat, love the movie, even mm-hmm. though even if you don't care, like I don't care that much about fashion, but I do like looking at pretty things and art. And so it's a really interesting take on on the industry. And it's fun to see people who actually care about it participate in it and not just roll their eyes at it yeah there's a reverence to the work that's done in the movie yeah I mean, definitely the, the whole cerulean sweater speech that uh absolutely lands at- for miranda's character yeah. is all about yeah. how incredible yeah the work they do really does trickle down and what they're deciding mm-hmm. in that room is going to pretty much be what people are going to be paying attention to five years down the line as well and so yeah. I mean, I have respect for anyone who's, like, super passionate about one thing, which is why, like, mm-hmm. I can respect fashion even if I don't want to participate. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think this movie does a better job at making uh, – or at least changing what it's trying to say because the book is sort yeah. of a whole-scale criticism while the movie definitely tries to pinpoint more on – uh, sort of a work-life balance and what you're willing to sacrifice to get where you want to be. Yeah, and I think even talking about, like, the work-life balance, I think the movie does it more successfully than the book does. Oh, absolutely. I think the the, the book falls on, like, some gimmicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot more gimmicks than the movie does. The movie is still kind of, like, chick-flicky like that, where – it has like the upset best friend and the jealous boyfriend that it relies on. Um, but the book is kind of one note in it. And so I think I appreciate the movie pushing it just a little bit further. Yeah, I thought the, per- I think, and I think what helped that is the performances. The performances are really top notch. Absolutely. Now let's talk about everyone's uh, worst performance, <laughs> which is all the boyfriends. Um Oof, are those boyfriends. So let me tell you my real problem with (laughs) both of the boyfriends, to a certain extent, but a lot more so the movie. Because the movie is definitely talking a lot about what it means to be a professional woman, which I think is really great. It it did a great way of talking about it. But, like, Mm -hmm. the character of the boyfriend in that movie sucks because when she first gets the job, (laughs) he makes fun of her for essentially dressing like crap. And so he yeah, makes he fun of her. Yeah, he her immediately. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is awful. He's not supportive of her one bit. And then when yeah. she starts committing herself to the job, which it makes sense that you would start getting a little interested in fashion working at a fashion magazine, and you might start mm-hmm. dressing differently. Totally makes sense that you would do that. And then he starts making mm-hmm. fun of her for looking good and saying, oh, I like the old way you dressed. I hated this guy. Like, get out of here. Yeah, and I think that he wanted, like, 
the point they were trying to make was that she like wasn't being honest with herself but like him calling that out in her made him seem like more of a jerk than necessary like if if like i cannot imagine not being okay with like it, she's just it's just one year like she's yeah. just dedicating the one year and i totally get it if it's she's never around she's super busy all the time but it's just one year and then it can open literally any door in new york that she wants to go through that's a huge opportunity i cannot imagine if if my husband had the same opportunity where he wasn't going to be around for a year but after that year he was going to be able to do whatever else he wanted and to be honest he wasn't that much of a different person like andy doesn't become a wildly different person it's just that she becomes like more complacent with what her job is asking her to do to the point where she doesn't know. Like I'm still a little bit on the fence about, I love the ending. I'm still a little bit on the fence about her leaving the job at the end. Well, I, I, I was actually a little upset with that too, because there is a specific part in the movie where she goes back, she mm -hmm. talks to her boyfriend. She's like, well, I quit mm -hmm. the job. And he's like, well, you know, I just got a job in Boston. Do you want to move with me there? And I was like, so is the movie trying to make a point that <laughs> she should sacrifice her future mm -hmm. to go follow her boyfriend's dream? And I got, it, I got pretty it mad. Definitely it definitely feels that way a little bit, yeah. and it's not great. And, I mean, it's implied that she's going to take this job at the newspaper, that she basically did the thing to earn Miranda's respect, which is great. But at the end of the day, I still kind of think she should have just stuck it out until the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing is I think why the turn in the movie does work is because what makes her turn, unlike the book, because the book has external uh, circumstances mm -hmm. that are causing mm -hmm. her to make the change. Her her friend gets in a DUI accident. Um, yeah, which is a little bit more of a motivating factor. Although I I do think some of the friend stuff was melodramatic in the book. Um, yeah, it was. However, in the movie, I think the change works in her choice to move yeah. is because she despises a woman and then she sees herself compared to being the same type of person, and so she makes a choice not to go down that road and i don't think it necessarily yeah. affects her ambition or wanting to go down anything or even her new love of fashion it's just she does yeah. not want to become that type of person which is why i think it yeah. works uh, a lot better yeah, than it definitely. does in the book however all of the extra characters that i feel like are criticizing her i just it just doesn't age well like if my friends no, were mad at me because I was just like for a year dedicating myself to my career, like it's a year. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't yeah. find that that big of a deal. I I totally I kind of agree too, and I think that like, uh, I think especially if like she was a dude, it would read differently. It would, and that's that's unfortunate. So. I don't know. I think I I get it. I they need to add like some like you know interpersonal drama with her friends and family to show. But if instead she was like legitimately becoming like a different person, and then she finally saw that um, ruthlessness mirrored in her in a different way, like even like Emily not being able to come to Paris, I don't a hundred percent buy. Because she gets in a car accident yeah, right afterwards, like and she can't go to Paris anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't really feel like a big enough, like, ruthless decision on Andy's part to be like that. But it 
we saw her kind of treating the people below her worse or the people around her worse, and it kind of shocked her out of that. She doesn't ever stop being kind of a good, wholesome person. Um, that being said, I still love the ending to this. Like, the, the moment where, like, Meryl is like, everybody wants to be us, and she's like, I don't want to be considered us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it means being like you and it's like a completely internal shift and she just leaves is such a powerful moment in the book or sorry, in the movie. And then when they see each other at the end and kind of respectfully acknowledge each other, that's beautiful. That's fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree that it's a, it's a funny message and I really hated the boyfriends. The The boyfriend in the book was boring. Oh yeah. And they- the boyfriend in the movie sucked. <laughs> Yeah. One last rant about the boyfriend in the movie. Uh, Yeah. So there's a slight change Uh, in the book. He was like the biggest goody two shoe. It was almost unbearable. (laughs) So boring. Uh, He was so boring. And then in the movie, they make a slight change. Uh, Instead of a school teacher, he is now a chef and he's an aspiring chef in New York. Chefs in New York work incredibly long days, incredibly long hours. And so if anyone understands what it's like to dedicate yourselves to a job, it would be him. And so that's why it was super frustrating that his criticisms were not, hey, I know better than anyone. I think you're losing yourself to this job a little bit. I think you're going Mm -hmm. in a little over your head, which would have been fair. His criticism was, "Mm, now you like fashion now. And you're like, way too (laughs) cool for me now. And I was like, get out of here, dude. You suck. (laughs) It would have been more interesting if like he was pursuing his, um, excuse me, if he was pursuing his dream of becoming a chef and required so much of his time and attention and passion and she is pursuing her dream to, you know, break into whatever writing position she wants to be in. And they're both pursuing these two very separate passions and trying to make their lives work together still. That would have been more interesting to me um, because that is a huge struggle. So, yeah. But then it wouldn't be as dramatic and yelling at each other in the streets and stuff like that. Yeah. Man, it's just, I really do think that just all the side characters and all of her friends didn't need to be there. Um, they just only, yeah, they bit. only just brought it down. Also, the scene where they steal her phone while her boss is calling legitimately makes me hate them. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's like, if that were me, I, it's just, I guess as someone who has a decent work, maybe this is, maybe for people who like truly are the type of person, and, and if you are this type of person that's a-okay, where it's like, you know, I just want to go to my job and get out, like maybe that, maybe that scene kind of makes sense for you but i yeah i just didn't it just did not ring very well for me i i found myself <laughs> taking meryl's side way too often I know. guys i know <laughs> me too a little bit where like people are like trash talking her and she's like i'm like i'm just doing an excellent job at my job and i'm like you know what you are you're really good at this <laughs> yeah like i won't criticize her for being good at what she does she could be a little bit nicer but like yeah and i and i think you know they definitely expose some of those flaws in her but way too often was i taking meryl's side yeah i i will say like her rambling off like all the stuff that she wanted them to do with absolutely zero details and like no space for them to like write them down incredibly stressful mm-hmm. and she does such a good job at it. I all my favorite parts of this movie 
um, were the interactions between Andy and uh, Miranda. All yeah. of their scenes together were amazing. Agreed. I think that's the entire heart of this movie are those interactions and and why it works yeah. because at the beginning you see Andy really struggle and by the end I think it was like the Harry Potter scene where she actually gets the book and also does yep. things before Miranda even asks her to you're like yeah happy it's for really her. satisfying you're like you yeah. figured this out good for you yeah I really loved it um I will say too like one of my favorite parts of this movie is the fact that um uh, you know, in like in like the traditional plot structure, there's something called the dark soul of the night where um, or sorry, the dark, dark soul, <laughs> the dark of the night. night of the soul. Okay. Jeez. OK, dark. Amanda, <laughs> the dark night of the soul. Uh, it's because I'm thinking about Stanley Tucci. I can't keep my words mm. straight um, where it's like the darkest moment right before the climax of the story. And I really love that the darkest moment is saved for Stanley Tucci's character. That like Miranda's betrayal of his character is like the rock bottom for this movie. And we don't get a scene with him afterwards. It's just him basically accepting the fact that his dream was just pulled out from under him and that's it. That's how his character story ends. Mm-hmm. We don't get anything else. And it's so heartbreaking and devastating because he's like, he even in the face of that, he is still optimistic and still w- willing to work hard and dedicate himself. And it's just so wonderful. I feel I I feel the hardest for him every single time I watch this it's- movie. It's by far the most tragic character in the entire film because you and he, he, you want him to win more than anyone else, and he does, yeah. and then it's just taken right from him. It's the uh, like Meryl does some cold-hearted stuff, but it was the only part of the movie mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, this was kind of evil. This is this is yeah. pretty terrible. Yeah, and and yeah, I just <laughs> it breaks my heart every single time. Same. All right, let's talk about, uh, uh, since we're talking about some favorite parts, you just talked about, yeah. you, you know, the tooch there. I do have a favorite part from the book uh, that I want to say, because again, a okay, lot of- Okay, I would love to hear it, yeah. A lot of my favorite scenes were definitely some of the problem-solving scenes, and my favorite mm-hmm. part is there is a part where Miranda goes overseas, and while she's overseas in Paris, she's calling both her, Emily and uh, Andy to try to solve things for her. And there is this, yeah. like- supremely funny scene because i just feel like i've related to this with some of the people i've worked with before where she gives them a call and says hey i have disconnected with like someone i'm trying to talk to can you reconnect me with him i don't Mm -hmm. have like like can you just reconnect me with him and they're like of course and so like they go through and like call all the numbers they have on file they call his assistant Mm -hmm. she's calling back constantly being like why are you not connecting me with him this is unacceptable and they are just trying to problem solve this together and it's such a big struggle and then like 10 minutes in she reveals she's like I have the number right here why aren't you calling him and they're like what (laughs) you have the number she's like yes I have it why can you not call him and they're like well what Mm -hmm. is it and then she gives them it and they connect. And it's just like that realization that like this person does not think logically. And so your job yeah. is try to think of the illogical and make that jump for them. It, yeah. It hit me in a place that I didn't <laughs> think I would ever hit before with some of the people I've worked with. It's 
it's an incredibly empathetic moment when you're like, oh, she's really awful and you guys are really doing your best yep. and it's not good enough. <laughs> it's like it does not matter what you do. There is going to yep. be some portion that you are not being told and you need to figure yep. out from the cryptic message what part that is. And it was yep. it is what uh, grounded the book for me for scenes like that. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I think that I enjoyed Emily's and Andy's relationship in the book so much. We had a lot more of those scenes and they're really good in the movie, oh, too. Yeah. But we have a lot less scenes of them working together. Um, instead, they have like a role reversal where where literally Emily goes from being super competent and on top of everything. And then she becomes the frantic person that Andy was in the beginning. Um but in the book, they are just kind of like, they're just like codependent, essentially, <laughs> trying to get through everything. And it's great. It's It totally reminds me of um, some coworker relationships that I've had in the past. Same. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely brings me back to some of those dark days working at a coffee shop, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, at a particular sure. big thing that you talk about. <laughs> Where you're literally just going mad because of it together. <laughs> yes. Where it's like your shared pain is what binds you. Yes. Yeah. Did you have any um, surprising changes that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I think the big one is definitely the Miranda character. Um, yeah. The changes they make and the changes Meryl chose to take in the movie to make them a little bit more grounded and sympathetic in some ways just rang way mm -hmm. more true to life and relatable. Um, I, I think that it's, it's by far what m makes this movie what it is and what this story, what it is, yeah. is that performance and change to Miranda. Yeah, I would a hundred percent agree because in the book, all you're doing in the book is you already know exactly who Miranda is from page one in the book. Um, and all you're doing in the book is waiting to find out how Andy's going to deal with her or how she's going to react to her. And then she has this scene at the very end where she yells at her, she gets fired and then they go their separate ways. And it's completely different in the movie because in the movie, Every scene that you're in with Miranda, you're learning how to understand her, either through the characters talking to each other or they'll have like a voiceover, like explaining like her facial expressions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And throughout the movie, you are understanding her more and more and more to the point where you have like this super vulnerable scene with her with no makeup on. She's dealing with a horrific divorce that's going to be across the papers and like what that means for her kids. And then she snaps right into being work Miranda uh -huh. again, who's going to still be the editor in chief and making sure that she keeps her job. And it's a really heartbreaking moment that you are not expecting it. Like she's super humanized in that moment. You are not expecting it at all. And you kind of respect her for the work that she does. Uh -huh. And so it's almost like you and Andy are on the same path together. And, um, yeah, Meryl Streep just does like such an incredible job with it. It's such a like going back and watching it again. I was paying attention to basically just her facial expressions in every and every scene. And they are so good Top because notch. she is she it's so subtle, 
but you can tell she's horrified in this scene. She's annoyed in this scene. And she, she has such a stoic performance that usually you wouldn't be able to tell unless you're super paying attention to it, but it's all there. Even just the walk she has is just, yes, it says everything you need to know about her character. I love the very first scene where she pops on and everybody is frantic and running around and like fixing their hair and makeup for her to show up. And like every time Miranda walks down a hall and somebody else enters the hall, they just turn around and walk the other way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gotta say, the introduction to this movie, top notch between that scene Absolutely and so the uh, getting ready comparison scene. Fantastic. I love a good mm-hmm. getting ready scene. Yeah, it's super good. I love that she ate an onion bagel and Stanley Tucci is like, does somebody eat an onion bagel? And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> now, uh, I think it'd be uh, good to skip to some nitpicks. Do you have any uh, particular nitpicks about this story you'd want to talk about that aren't boyfriend related, I guess? <laughs> I don't know. So many of my nitpicks were boyfriend related. That grilled cheese he kept making her did not look good. Oh, it did it not. Burnt. It was cl- very clearly burnt. <laughs> I don't know how that got past QA. It was, like, <laughs> it was not tempting at all. <laughs> yeah, everything he does for her never seems very nice, like at all. He's just a I bad also, boyfriend. <laughs> he's a really bad boyfriend. I also will say this is less of a nitpick than kind of respect. I love that Emily's character constantly look like she's going to like a goth ball. <laughs> It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> she makes some bold fashion choices. Yeah. What about you? Did you did you have any nitpicks? Okay. So I saw this and I I kid you not, I could not stop laughing for five minutes. Um, so there is this scene where Andy meets all her friends up at the bar, and she has all these free things that she got from her job, and she's giving them away. So like, how funny is that phone? Oh yeah, she gives them like this ridiculous phone. <laughs> she gives them like some perfume and all this other stuff. Then she pulls out this big fancy purse and she gives it to her friend and her friend's freaking out. Like she's like, this is the best purse I've ever had. It's incredible. It's sold out everywhere. And then she proceeds Mm -hmm. to take all the contents from her current purse and starts putting it in a new purse. But this scene goes on for a while. Like she just keeps (laughs) grabbing like infinite objects to put into her purse (laughs) and it cuts to other characters and you could still see her in the Mm -hmm. background frantically Mm -hmm. grabbing things from her purse in putting it into her new purse and it's like comically long where you're like what in the hell do you have in your purse like what it's like the purse is a bag of holding and she has just like unlimited space (laughs) and it was so funny it was just like a constant uh, uh uh transferring of items it never stopped yeah, I did. I do love how excited her friend is when she gets. It. She's like, I can't keep it, and then she just stuffs all of her stuff into it. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a good scene. <laughs> now, Amanda, do you want to play a quick game? I'll I'll see if I'll keep this in the podcast or not. Called <laughs> How much is that at Ralph Lauren? Yeah, yeah. Send them over to me. I'll describe. I'll describe for yes. the audience at home I'm, what it is you're sending. I've me. chosen very simple um, garments, so hopefully it works. Okay. Uh, so I just sent you the okay. first one. Okay. So can you describe to the audience what they're looking at? <laughs> so ugly. It is um, a hooded sweatshirt, no pocket, um, very uncomfortable looking. It has like weird noodle arms. It has a teddy bear on the cover mm-hmm. who is a gentleman. He is out for the night in his um, 
and his bow tie and tails, but he forgot his fancy shoes because he's wearing sneakers. And then he has a um, plaid jacket over, but he's just chilling. He's waiting for his taxi to show up. He's got a really expensive watch on, too. I would argue it's a pretty Uh, adorable teddy bear, too. It's a really adorable teddy bear, but he looks like he has much fancier taste than I do. Yeah. Uh, And it says Polo Bear by Ralph Lauren and then a signature. It's really funny that this is like a high fashion brand and I think their icon or mascot is like adorable. (laughs) A fancy uh, cutesy teddy bear. Yeah. Um, I will say my guess is $100. No, you are off. Not by as much as you would think. It is $168, Amanda. That is not. Is it made out of baby bear fur why is it it so expensive it must be it must be okay now i have a i have a very simple one for you okay we're gonna do three rounds of (laughs) this okay so okay so here i just sent you the next one so do i get more points if i if oh no do i get more points if i guess over or under uh i would say it sort of depends i would say you did pretty well i'd say you were within two thirds of the price there which you okay i would say means you did pretty all right so i'll give you like a a, a half point for that one. Oh, okay do i get to redeem my points at the end for something <laughs> uh i don't know we'll see how good you do <laughs> um okay so david sent me a pretty standard pair of blue jeans uh-huh. they are a boot cut and um Pretty dark wash. I would say, uh, I would guess at least two hundred bucks. I'm gonna go with two thirty. That's gonna be my guess. All right, two thirty. It is in fact five hundred and ninety dollars, Amanda. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, I really want to see. Do you have a picture of the backside? I really want to see if it has a lot of fancy stitching. I'll send it. you. Is it hand stitched? I'll send you the uh, the actual uh, posting on the website for this one. Okay. I chose this yeah, one purposely because it, it looks like it truly looks like the most basic pair it's of blue jeans pants. you will ever see. <laughs> They're literally just pants. It's even like they called it stretch in graded denim. So it's pretty much just like jorks. It literally just looks like a pair of pants from American Eagle. It really does. I feel like I've bought similar looking pants at Target. I'm going to be honest with you. All right. But they're crafted in Italy. Holy crap. That might be why. Okay, hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. Hold on. I have to read this description. Our skinny jeans are crafted in Italy from stretch integrated denim sourced from Japan that's treated with dark stone wash and then uniquely distressed with whiskering and hand sanding. That's why it's so freaking expensive. It's been around the world before it even got to my butt. <laughs> you got some world class uh, pants if you buy these. Uh, okay, uh, I'll do one last one. I'll do one last one. Okay, okay, one more. This is for all the the but this money. This is for you can get all your points back <laughs> if you can get close to this one. So I lost my half point for not getting the five hundred. Um, do you have something more ridiculous? More ridiculous? Uh, yeah, more ridiculous looking. I don't know. I really want you to do this one. Maybe we could do a bonus round after this, but I really want you to guess what this one is. This is going to be so expensive. Okay, I don't, I can't tell. This is what it looks like, folks. It looks like a burlap sack that's been stitched into a very fancy uh, night evening dress. It is floor length with spaghetti straps. 
and it looks like it might be made out of a sack material. It is like this very I'm rough, bacious material. Yes. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a like an undergarment from Pirates of the Caribbean. I'll give you one hint. Um, it is made out of okay. silk. It is made out of silk. Why is the silk look? Does it have beading on it? Why does the silk look so terrible? I have no idea, but it is made out of silk. Okay. It is made out of silk that has been distressed to the point where it looks like a burlap sack. That sounds like it's going to have a lot of, like, time and energy put into it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess $1,000 for this dress. Ooh, Amanda, that's not even close. It is $9,000. Holy crap. (laughs) And I will send you the... All right, that's on me. I have lost all my points, and that's on me. I really should have went higher. I really thought that if I just kept giving you higher price things, you would get the notice to guess something ridiculous. <laughs> I will say that this link does make it, it looks more gold than it looks burlap. Would that I have really, would that have really guessed for this. it, though? Would you have really Yeah, because anything? it gives it like, okay, so it does have beadwork. And sparkles to it. So it's a satin embellished with stitches and beadwork from head to toe. So that's why from the picture you sent me, it looks like burlappy. This picture makes it look, look more lustrous, less luxurious. Um, sure. I would not still pay nine grand for this. I would save it for a car. <laughs> I'll, I'm just going to tell you the price of my favorite item because this is a... Uh, let me describe it just in case I do end up giving this to the audience. I have sent her what looks to be a hoodie you might find out of Spencer's. You may think that someone would smoke a lot of weed wearing this hoodie. <laughs> it has that sort of style to it. Accurate. It is seven hundred dollars for something that I yeah. genuinely believe I've seen at Spencer's before. So while this does look like something you could buy at Spencer's, it was crafted in Uruguay from naturally soft combed wool. Um, So that's probably why, because some old man had to comb out the wool and then handcraft it in Uruguay. That's the thing. I get it. I can like harp on these, but I'm the same type of person who is like debating dropping hundreds of dollars to make my own custom keyboard and stuff like that. Yeah. So the truth is. Yeah. We all have our own Ralph Lauren. It's all about, yeah, it's all about your priorities. What's, yeah. what's your personal wool hoodie? Ralph Lauren. What's your I think it's, personal distressed <sighs> stretchy jeans from Italy? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's probably, and this is going to be a huge shock to you, it's books. because I, Because when I'm reading a book, I want to read it any way I feel at any time any day. So a lot of times I'll end up getting a physical book and an audio book and sometimes a Kindle version of it as well for a single book, especially if I really like it. Yeah, I feel like I've made And a, that doesn't phase me. I feel like I've made a mistake because like when I was buying an <laughs> e-reader, I was like I will not give money to the Bezos guy. I do not want to give money to him, so I bought an off-branded one, but now it's like Man, I want to listen on Audible and I want to read it on my e-reader and they're making it hard. I have I to know. double buy it now. I know. Yeah. Man, we've completely flipped the bill at the end of this bit. 
<laughs> that'll be a wrap for us today. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe so you can get automatically updated when we post new episodes, wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed anything we talked about, or if you would like to donate uh, some Ralph Lauren <laughs> clothes to us, high fashion industry, I would love to take you as a sponsor. <laughs> But we will also. We said Ralph Lauren almost as many times as we said Quibi in the past, and I think we ended on a better note than when we. We did. We did. I think Ralph Lauren will stay in business the next two months. Yeah, I think so too. They just have our blessing, Ralph. They need to sell one jacket. (laughs) They'll be fine. Uh, but we will also settle for you uh, leaving us a review or just telling us about your friends. Um, I, I telling really, us about telling us. <laughs> gosh, I'm losing it. Tell, <laughs> leave a review where you tell us about your friends and what you would shop at Ralph Lauren for. Whatever. We want to hear from Let's you. Let's just people. end this, Amanda. You do your part now. Ugh. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Most of the time, we're more on Instagram than the others. Uh, we are at AdaptedPod on all those platforms. You can also send us suggestions on what you think we should talk about next by shooting us an email at stuff at AdaptedPod.com. Mm-hmm. And special thanks to Catloaf for our intro and outro music. You are listening to the track Astoria Ditmars. And you can listen to more Catloaf on Spotify. And you should. Yep. So, uh, Amanda, what are we going to be doing next? I think what we're doing next is going to be a Christmas surprise because I think it comes out on Christmas. Ooh, it's our Christmas episode. Guys, wait. I can't wait for it. I'm super excited for Christmas. I'm pretty excited about it. I think everyone's going to really love it. So you'll have to tune in for Chris on Christmas. I think it comes out on Christmas Eve. So you will have a special episode for us from us on Christmas Eve. Special gift to you from us. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, so tune in next time to see all about uh, what we're what the Christmas surprise is and how we rate it. Uh, until next time, I have forgotten all jokes. Uh, until next time, I'm gonna be shopping in the clearance section of Ralph Lauren because it's a lot more affordable over here. Actually, I'm just doing my holiday shopping right now. Don't mind me. I like that that's not a joke. That's just you giving the audience an update about your life. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone who knows <laughs> us will understand that my budget is the clearance section of Ralph Lauren. <laughs> oh, you know what? I forgot about a nitpick, so I'll use it as a joke. Okay. Until then. No, I can't use it as a joke. It's not a very good joke. Oh, there. <laughs> do you remember Do you remember that part in the movie? <laughs> All right, I'm ready to get there. <laughs> David in the edit's like, nope, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>